Hello everybody, welcome back to the Phil Reed podcast. I have uh, the oldest guest I've ever had. <laughs> sorry, in age or length of time you've known me? Age, definitely age. Thanks. I'm sorry, I had to start there because Terrible. I'm, I'm such a bad person, aren't I? I'm so sorry. No, Eddie is an amazing guy. You're going to learn a lot in this podcast video, not just because he's a, an expert in the world of watches, um, but also I know little bits about this man's backstory, um, journey, if you like. And I'm hoping that Eddie is going to tell us all a bit more about how he's got to where he has today. So I can talk about you for a while. I think it'd be good to start if you can give yourself a bit of an intro and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Sure. So I'm Eddie Bloom. I founded Bloom Bar Watches a number of years ago. Um, and I got into, I think I got into watches through doing a load of things that I really didn't enjoy doing. And I think that that's... I can uh, relate to that. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. Um, I've even got staff in the office, you know, who've done things that they just absolutely hated doing before and now work in an environment they really love working in. But um, I mean, my family historically was in the nightclub business and that was my education growing up. That's so fascinating though. I didn't start in that world though. I left school at just before 18. Okay. I finished my A-levels very, very badly. Okay. Very good education, but I was not, I did not have the knack of, A, doing homework, coursework, or doing exams in the exam environment. You strike me as an academic, or maybe someone naturally gifted. No, I just went to very good schools. Yeah? Yeah, So, uh, thanks to my parents for that. And actually, I think people (laughs) underestimate how much going to a good school makes a big difference, and it's not about the grades you get when you leave the school. The social. It's about your ability to talk to people, yeah, um, your ability to adapt with different people and in different situations. Mm. It's 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 how you dress. It's presentation. Mm. It's your ability to pick up the phone to certain people you met at school. Yeah, that's a big that's a big factor. Yeah, and I think that um, sometimes parents see expensive schools, private schools, boarding schools, all these things as just an investment in grades and yeah. where my kid can go to university afterwards and what job they can get. Yeah. There is a lot more to it. And yeah. it's about the person that is created from that environment. Yeah. Um, and you think you're a good example of that? You think you're a good byproduct of? I, I It's the argument I use with my dad yeah. <laughs> who um, has a go at me for all the money wasted, as he would say, on education. And my... Uh, uh, my return to that mm. is, well, actually, it wasn't wasted because mm. I can pick up the phone to this person and that person because sure. I went to school with them. Yeah. But I think what's most important is the last school you go to. The last the last school? For me, certainly it was. And with a lot of my peers, yeah. a lot, I went to, a, I went to a, a sixth form college in the middle of the West End in central London. I was only there for three years, sort of GCSEs, yeah. AS and A-level. Yeah. The people I met there are the people that develop the are the basis of the friendships I have now mm. and the people I can pick the phone up to now. Yeah, so, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And also from the um, investment into your education, I'm, I'm a good example of it yeah. because I didn't get the grades or go to the best uni, but I did go to a private boarding school yeah. and I like to think that that molded me, shaped me yeah. and gave me the, the softer skills, the ability to speak, the ability to present myself yeah. and, and do all the things that actually are more important when you climb a corporate ladder yeah. 
what's the most important thing can you can you influence and i'm not gonna say manipulate but you know what i mean it's it's kind of handle a situation handle a situation yeah. and you, you know you're very good at talking to anyone and very confidently and that there's no question school plays a big big role in that for sure uh and i think and you know people can watch this kind of thing that oh you know they're just privileged kids yeah. that went to a good boarding school <laughs> or something like that yeah. but actually though there, there is an investment part of that yeah, yeah. Uh, i do feel for the kids that get sent at like six i have a friend who i think he was six or seven at boarding school yeah i, I know someone that went at eight yeah uh, he went to i think he went to Eton at eight and he yeah. really struggled with it i went at 10 that's young and that was young I, young I wasn't sent there i knew other people that were going right and i just my parents were getting divorced you know i wasn't doing that well at school and i thought i'm gonna have a change yeah i, I and had a cousin that was going and some friends that were going to a boarding school in bristol a very well-known boarding school in bristol okay and um i decided to go with I quickly regretted it. I spent two and a half years crying. Nice. <laughs> Every single night making reverse charge calls to my parents. Yep. Um, you know, or paging them as you did in those days. Um, <laughs> talking about showing my age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then once you get a little bit older at boarding school, you get a little bit more power. That's it. It transforms. 100%. And it was a mixed boarding school. And so once you get a little bit older to sort of chat It becomes more fun, right? Yeah, it becomes yeah, yeah. a lot more fun. And yeah. then, uh, then I think you start to see the benefits. So the result of Eddie going through his life is now Eddie, like he says, he owns a watch business, extremely successful. It's called Bloom Bar Watches. I advise you guys take a look if you don't know the business already. Um, it's a very popular, well-known, and I've spoken to a lot of people that view you, the perception of you and your brand is you do it right. You are the ultimate professional and people like to deal with you. And I think that's probably partly why you've become so successful. It, or maybe one small reason. Do you agree with that? Um, yes, I do. Um, what we do is we spend a lot of time nurturing our clients. Okay. The watch sale is the thing that comes right at the end. Yeah. And I have always taught my team, some of whom were experienced, some who were totally inexperienced, apart from nothing. If you're going to sell a watch to someone, Make the watch the last thing you talk about. Mm. The starting point is finding common ground. What mm. do you both have an interest in that you can talk about and have a cup of coffee over or a yeah. coffee over? What life experiences have you both experienced that you can talk about? A mm. holiday you might both or somewhere you both went away with, something you both did for a living, something your parents do, anything like that. Yeah. And you know, it, I, I'm not a. I, I don't like sort of American attitudes of cold selling and, yeah. and hard selling. I hate that. Yeah, I hate it. Buy the watch if you like the watch. Don't yeah. buy the watch if you yeah, don't like yeah, the yeah. watch. So I don't want you coming back to me in a month's time because mm. you actually you didn't really want it and I pressured you into it. Mm. Um, it's not what we want to be known for. We well, want... they wouldn't come back to you if they felt that way. No, right? they wouldn't. Yeah. And actually, when I've said this to you before, watch buyers, a number of watch buyers are quite impulsive. Mm. I think quite quickly on a whim yeah and it might actually just be for an occasion it might be because they're going on holiday for the summer they want to show off to their mates or whatever they want the right watch and then as soon as they've kind of done it mm. you know had the experience from the watch they want out of it yeah so you've got to sell things to people at a level where they can sell them and not lose a fortune but actually hopefully at least maintain their investment or make some money certainly in a good day mm. um and you need people to b believe that what you're selling them is the right move for them yeah um, and if we feel it's the wrong move for them, and they're buying a Hublot, for example, that will yeah. potentially lose 30% of its value the day they're buying it, that's exactly what we tell them. You tell them? Yeah. I tell them, Fair enough. don't think it's the right watch for you. I think it looks too big on you. Yeah. 
doesn't suit you and you're probably going to lose money on it not a lot of people would do that because if they see the dollar signs right. they see the money they're like oh, they look fantastic i f i have we, we i developed this business on a pure basis of honesty with yeah. people and uh, i am known for being very blunt mm. with people uh i try not to make it rude but purely blunt. <laughs> if, you, if you think your watch is worth more than it's worth, I will tell you that. Yeah. If it's worth more than you think it's worth, we will tell you that. Fair and enough. we will give you various options and ways to sell your watch that can benefit you better. Yeah. If you try to sell a watch to us outright for £5,000 that's worth, you could have, we could have, we would have paid you 10 for. Yeah. We'll tell you that. And what we might say is actually, it's not really fair to buy it off you at that level. But what we might do is sell it on consignment for you yeah. or something yeah. like that because we want to get you top dollar. Sure. And what we've learned over years is the quick sale doesn't benefit you. The quick money doesn't benefit you. We're here to build a business for the long run and we get people as much as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, and we try and sell people things for as little as we can so we yeah. can still make a, a nice margin. Sure. They get a good deal. They come back and back again. And I've got clients that I have known for an excess of 10 years now. Mm. And we've done, I don't know, tens if not hundreds of deals with some of them. Wow. Um, and they wouldn't consider using anyone else. Sure. And that comes from trust. Yeah. And it's interesting you talk about the sale of a watch, but actually it's not even just watches. You talk about finding common ground with people um just having a general chat and not even talking about the product which they may end up buying that yeah. in, a, in a sales world that that just that translates the whole landscape of any of industry any market yeah. um and that's probably what made you a very good seller to begin with because i imagine you didn't have the team that you had no i didn't i i, I didn't actually hire anyone for the first i don't know five years or mm. something it, it got to the point where i was running around like a madman you know packing every box and yeah. responding to every inquiry and handling every call and um, not talking to my wife or family on the weekends, nice. you know, and doing inquiry, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it, it just got ridiculous. And yeah. I had to take on staff and then, you know, we raised money and, and took on some investment and started expanding and I have the world's most incredible team now. Yeah. And I, I tried my best to maintain that kind of family business feel, yeah. which it really does have. It does have it. Well, you've been there enough time. Yeah, it does. It, you know, it's kind of like walking in into your home with your best mates in there yeah. and you can, Greeted by a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs. Yeah. You know, people bring their kids in. We yeah, have, yeah, yeah. you know, we have, you know, kids, iPads with kids TV on. We have kids juices. We have, yeah. you know, all kinds. We, we do things to make it a family environment so people can come and enjoy themselves and not feel pressurized and hassled yeah. and actually enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I'm, in my youth, when I left school, I went to work for a very prominent London estate agency selling very expensive houses. Mm. And, it, it, we kind of maintain, I try to maintain those values of dealing with those types of clients who want to be looked after, they want yeah. to be made to feel special, yeah. but they also don't want to be pressurized into buying something very expensive. Did you say your dad owned nightclubs when you were younger? Yes. Yeah. How was it growing up? <laughs> How was it growing up with your dad owning London nightclubs? So it was definitely different. And I think that whatever you have, you always want something different. And I used to look at my friends kind of family setups with their kind of you know with their parents who had been married for 20 years in mm. those days and all seemed very happy and they had their um you know dinner on a friday night yeah, and everything, yeah, yeah. You know, everything they did and i and uh, my dad would um sometimes briefly come home after work have dinner and then go out to the club and come back at four in the morning oh so he was like actively involved. oh yeah no he, he was actively, at the clubs absolutely was yeah. he a party guy was he that no, kind of guy no 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 actually very shy Interesting. Um, not really that much of a people's person, but a very good operator. Okay. Um, Did he stumble into the business? Because it seems like it has uh, to be a deliberate thing. Um, 
he kind of did stumble into the business. Yeah, he was originally in the fashion business from the sort of six mid sixties onwards. Mm. Um, started on a market stall, going into yeah. ladies' fashion, built up a very big fashion group. Then went into live music wow. um, and rock venues. Owned a very big venue in Finsbury Park called the Rainbow, and then from there went into well, amongst many other things, into nightclubs, and eventually right. owned a very famous club in Leicester Square, Cafe de Paris. Really? Um, and many other London clubs and um, wow. was good at it. Mm. Um, and that was the only world I knew growing up. I mean, my weekends mm. were spent, my, my, my school holidays were spent painting, you know, with the maintenance team painting nightclubs. And then I'd spend a week with the accounts team mm. learning about accounting. And then, I, you know, it was always a job for me to do. And yeah. those were my holidays. And um, I would often be found doing my homework in a corner of an uh, in a corner of Cafe de Paris at, at, at fifteen when I was probably doing when I was doing my GCSEs. But my dad left school at fourteen, wow. so he wasn't exactly the greatest influence to get me to do my homework. I probably <laughs> yeah. didn't actually have the ability to help me with some of the stuff I was doing. Um, probably not. You know. If he dropped, well, not dropped out, but he chose to yeah. leave at fourteen. That's exactly. Cool. So that's in, I, I can just imagine like. Any young kid at 15 would probably look at that and think, that, that's a dream. Like I, Me and a friend of mine used to hold, my dad owned a, cl a, a club in just off the King's Road in Chelsea called Crazy Larry's, which yeah. is a very popular kind of Chelsea Sloney club in the 90s to, to up to about 2010. Mm. And when I was 15, I used to hold a an, an, an evening there on a Sunday from about 10 schools in London, we would have about 400 people come on a Sunday afternoon. Evening. Yeah. We'd have a DJ there, no alcohol. <laughs> I'd, I'd employ the DJ quietly without telling my dad yeah. to come and play. I'd get the keys from the manager. And no one knew we did this. And we used to charge everyone a tenner on the door. We would have 400 people on a Sunday no once a month. And I was 15 then. I actually only recently told him about it. How did he react? I did it? a little YouTube video recently interviewing my dad about the things that parents teach their kids that mm. help them in business and things like that um and i i, I on on camera told him about this so. how did he react it, to that? I, I think he, he found it funny i mean you know he probably respect i'd respect 20 it. years later what's he going to do well about yeah, it? yeah yeah ground you but i mean that, that shows the entrepreneurship inside you from a young age i also used to nick your car dad as well i'm sorry did you yeah <laughs> okay maybe that's not as uh it's not quite you uh, can't really teach that yeah um it's i just find it fascinating that you were involved in that kind of scene from such a young age and you probably saw things were involved in yeah of course uh, of course i mean that world is uh seedy at the best of times tell me an example what, what what was it like um i never got involved in any of it i did end up running my own club um from about 21 to 25 that was okay. a very very big 8000 square foot 450 capacity club in Earls Court Road um, which was really successful but you realise quickly that there is a totally another side much like the watch business a completely yeah. different side to the nightclub business and I didn't like it I actually I'm not I'm not that much of a people's person I you've got to be able to put on an act all the time to do that and greet yeah. greet 400 people at a door and, and, and a certain and kind of person for certain sure. kind of person I'm not a drinker I've never done any drugs in my in my life yeah. Um, not actually my forte at all. If you carried on, you could have been like a Wayne Lineker in Ibiza. Yeah, just what I wanted. I can imagine you doing that, just no. living the dream. No, and I know people who absolutely <laughs> love that and are well into their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, still wow. in that business and love it. Mm. And I just didn't. 
I really didn't. I like going out with my friends to someone else's club for a night, you know, but I stopped all that come yeah. sort of my mid-twenties. And actually, I like, to be, I like to be in bed by 11 o'clock. Mm. Um, it wasn't really for me. I got thrown into it. Yeah, and I guess that, that kind of leads me to the point of in life, you kind of, you know, on your journey, everyone has their own journey. You, you kind of have to trial and do things and test different jobs. And yeah. you kind of have to find out what you like, what you're good at, what you don't like, what you're not good at. I think it's quite important to try lots of things because yeah. it's the only way you'll find that out. And I have, if I look at my my peers, most of whom went to university and I didn't, mm. why did they go to university? How much of it was just down to their parents making them go to university yeah. or being the one in the family who finally went to university in, in a family of ones who didn't? Yeah. Um, how much did that have a, you know, how, how much did that play a role? I think so many of them went just for the experience of university yeah. and getting pissed and doing drugs and yeah that's true and you know partying all the time um how many came out with really worthwhile degrees that they've used yeah. I mean I almost don't know any it's and so I had rad. some really clever friends I mean some went to, they all went to relatively top tier universities and you know they went into you know they got economics degrees or you know business degrees or law degrees out of all the law, law degrees <laughs> don't know one lawyer funny out of all the, I mean, I read the, the funniest statistic the other day. It was about um, sociologists. Okay. I think something like 95,000 students in the UK study sociology every year. Okay. For 900 sociology jobs that are available, which means there's 94,000 disappointed, so <laughs> 94, disappointed sociologists out there. Yeah. So, and that's a degree that I've always kind of thought is, yeah, a bit of a a lot. I think this quite often a filler degree. Yeah, but there's a lot of. <laughs> I would I would go as far as say ninety percent of courses degrees at university are that I don't see the point in it for the end result of getting the job in that realm of whatever you're studying. Medicine, law, get it. Apps, profession, architecture, yes. anything like that. Got to have the degree. Start it, finish it. You've got a career for life yes. if that's what you want. Yeah. But as far as you know, kind of. For the sake of going to university degrees go get some life experience instead yeah. save your parents 30 grand or your you know your um um it's true student loan yeah student um, loan which yeah. you'll probably be paying off for the rest of your life you know yeah you know I, but why go to i mean that's what i did i'm not saying do what i did i went to work i got a proper job i think you know even though i you know i had a family with a relatively good business i didn't go to work for them immediately i became yeah. an estate agent i've mm. learned uh, learned an industry um, and I made money, and yeah. I, I and I learned how to handle people, and learned a bit about the world and streetwise, and yeah. learned some common sense. Yeah. And I went to visit my friends on the weekends at university, and I spent my weekends driving up. You and still down had the experience to Nottingham, to yeah. Oxford Brooks, yeah, wherever yeah. I went. Yeah. I kind of got a bit of that experience. Mm. I was quite glad to go back to my own home at the yeah. end of it and not sleep on a dorm room. Oh floor. god, yeah. Um, but um, I think people need to stop the obsession with university. Yeah. Go have some life experience instead because I think it's far more valuable. Mm. And I think in a world where entrepreneurialism is going to be bigger and bigger, yeah. and our, you know, your generation, the generation younger than you in their yeah. early 20s, teens, are now starting businesses younger and younger, yeah. massively tech savvy, yeah. you know, with loads of ideas of ways to make money out of social media and products and, I don't know, Amazon stores, whatever you want to do. There's loads of things I don't understand, but I can see young people making money. You know, um, aren't they just better off starting yeah. their own business so young true. and getting on with it? Yeah. 
But that's, it's interesting to hear that from you, someone that is slightly older and someone who has a family and has kids. It's, it's interesting because my, for example, I'll take my, my, my lovely mum as an example. When I quit my job in finance, it was probably one of the worst days of her life. And I've said this before. What did you do in finance? I, was I don't in, actually know. I was in payment, like corporate payments. So Sounds riveting. Completely, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did that for four years and I, I stopped. And then from that day on, I was like, no, no longer golden boy. Because I think it's because she couldn't then tell her friends that I was doing it. But it, I, I say this as well. I don't know why I went to university. It was just to do this, do that, do that. Yeah. And I never questioned once, why am I doing this? Is this the best thing to do? If I could go back into, I would, ch- I, I regret going to university. I would do different things now. Definitely. I think that's interesting. And I, you know, I've got, I've got two boys, six, how, 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 six and two. And the six year old is at quite a pushy London school. Yeah. Um, where I think, you know, they, you know, and I can't believe what they're doing for, at the age of six year olds. And some, really? some of them find it really easy. Some of them have got loads of tutoring and, you know, you know, some of them have got uh, every tutor under the sun that you could possibly think of. Yeah. Um, and I don't really believe in all that. I think kids should be kids and they yeah. should enjoy themselves. For sure. You, know, you get one shot at a childhood, may as well make it as fun as possible. Yeah. That's my view. Um, but I also didn't come from an academic background. Um, but people ask, you know, where's your son going to go to school next? What's he going to do next? Do you want him to go to university? What do you want him to do? I have one answer. I want him to be happy. And there's not enough emphasis placed on kids' pure happiness. Mm. And, he, you know, this, this lovely school he's at has got you know um someone in charge of pastoral care you know it's basically just to make yeah. sure kids are happy and a lot mm-hmm. of schools don't have that um and a lot of kids hate school <laughs> you know they, they look back at it they absolutely you know adults look back so at school true. they were bullied they hated yeah. it kids are mean mm-hmm. you know and so what do i want for him I, I don't care if he's top of his class i don't expect him to be top of his class yeah. i hope he's not bottom because it can, can kind of kill morale a little bit yeah. and self-esteem but frankly if he's somewhere in the middle and he enjoys his experience of school he makes good friends he learns how to talk nicely to people and be mm. nice and kind to people. And he just looks back on it and he enjoyed it and he's happy yeah. and he doesn't yeah. cry about going to school. That's yeah. all I want for him. It's so strange to think that that sounds like a unique way for parents to view things. But why is that? Why? It, it's amazing. And I love that for you and your kids. But why is that just not normal? I do sometimes <laughs> say have this conversation with other parents and I say it to them that that's my kind of like my kind of alternative hippie view on my kids being at school and I, I you know somebody a lot of the kind of parents that in you know a lot of parents in private schools in london are in finance or yeah. banking and yeah. they've got very academic backgrounds and quite um routined yeah kind of work life yeah and i think they do look at me like a bit of a madman when i say things like that but, but if, it, if it works for them and that's what they've done yeah. the traditional route they're going to be like project this is what I did. Yeah. It worked for me. You you must do it. And I suppose I do kind of see the other side of it. I look at a lot of them and I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I run a business. I have, you know, big highs and sometimes terrible lows and yeah. cash flow problems yeah. and all things that you don't have to deal with. If you're an employee working for a bank yeah. or for a PE fund or, yeah. you know, uh, whatever it is you're doing, you get paid your big wage, you get a bonus, you know, you get a great bonus on a good year, you get a crap business crap bonus on an average year but you still earn great money and you kind of got loads of disposable income so it does have its benefits Mm. but are they all happy are they all in jobs that they really enjoy I mean if you think about the percentage of our life we spend at work we should should bloody enjoy it you know it shouldn't be a chore we should enjoy the work enjoy the people we're surrounded by I know that is a privilege to enjoy doing what you're doing I appreciate that a lot of people (laughs) just have to put food on the table and just have to pay bills and we can't all enjoy what we do 
but we're not talking we, we are talking here about people who have the choice and children who and teenagers who have the choice to yeah. decide what they want to do with their life they've obviously been to a relatively good school or they've done well enough that, you know academically that they can go to university yeah think about it yeah why am i doing it yeah i feel sorry for some kids i really do i don't think i don't think a lot of parents should be allowed to have children knowing knowing how they are and what they believe and just how just sometimes how dumb people are yeah I it's it's a bold thing to say but like i think people like, fail to i mean you haven't got kids yet you know no. one day maybe you know yeah. i think you know you realize quite quickly that um you realize the importance of just having fun with your kids yeah you know, and I said this before, they have one shot, shot at a childhood. Plenty have bad childhoods, yeah, terrible I think ones. most people, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, sometimes you should look at what's going on in the world and actually think, well, my child's got a great chance of having this mm. lovely, lovely, you know, happy childhood. Just do your best job for them. Yeah. Um, you have a very successful business, as we've uh, already talked about. Um, can you see yourself selling or having somebody else run the business? We are in the process, well, we, I am in the process of um, raising some money to expand the business. Okay. Um, and taking on a bit of external expertise. Okay. Because whilst I am a relatively good watch dealer, um, and I, I have helped build a really good team, yeah. I'm probably not the best person to take it from where it is now to building something that's potentially saleable, you know, at, sure. or exitable in three to five years. Yeah. Uh, so that requires bringing on, bringing in the people that know how to do that uh, okay. and have money. So I'm in the process of doing something along those lines at the moment, which is quite exciting. Um, and it will allow us to, to expand in ways that, frankly, I never dreamed of okay. um, and develop parts of the business and add additional staff members where, you know, where, where, where we're having some struggles. And um, it's always nice and exciting to see something you've built evolve and, sure. and actually it's nice to see change as well mm. you, you know all, all businesses get boring if you just if you don't make any changes in them you do need to keep you yeah. keep at it and keep yeah. introducing things there's always te technological things that we could you know ways of automating the purchasing and the sales process that i think we could uh, uh introduce still maintaining that personal you know relationship aspect yeah. of the business but just evolving it a little bit is there a company that you look at and you aspire to emulate in any way look i think that you know every watch dealer has the the vision of of creating the next watch finder i yeah. think there was only one watch finder though um yeah. i don't see there being room for a second one in the uk mm. they are just so vastly bigger than everyone else yeah. um, although that said the pie is a very big pie and you don't need to create another watch finder to make many many millions of pounds there is a middle ground somewhere mm. where you can create something that's big enough that you've got enough of the market share but it's still small enough that it's still enjoyable to run yeah and that's where i would like to okay that, it's where i'd like bloom bar to settle yeah you don't need 200 million pounds to enjoy your life true you need you know I mean, 100 million i have a number <laughs> it's not 100 million i have a number um but it's not either of those and right. I, I i i i place just enjoying my life above uh above, above any sure, money sure i i i'm being I, happy I can admire that, to be honest. Um, I think one day, though, there is something bigger and better. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, but I could also, at the same time, I don't really know is the answer. That's right. I'm hoping I, my, my aim now is to is to turn the business into the very very best business it can be within my capabilities. Yeah. Um, and if I get to the point where I either one day 
sell it, great. And if I don't sell it, and I end up just with this lovely business I can run for the next 40 years, what a shame. and all of our team end up <laughs> yeah. together, growing old together as one big happy family, then absolutely fantastic. You've done a good job. Yeah, either way, I'm happy. But let's say in five, 10 years, you scale to an enormous size yeah. and you have a buyer looking to buy you out yeah. and you exit for 100 200 million whatever it may be happy days what does eddie bloom do what do you do well my background was always property uh, i mean my background my background in between estate agency uh nightclubs which as you know i hated and watches was um high-end property development yeah so i would probably go back to some sort of property development okay um or property type business there is something i have always wanted to do i'm not going to share my okay, wonderful okay. idea on camera but there's a couple of things i want to do um um I, it's, I, I don't who knows i could do yeah. something watch related again I, yeah. you know it could be something property related it could be yeah. um so there's no dream of just literally just packing it all up oh, God, moving no. abroad no. No, no 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 i i was always brought up with the mentality that it's a privilege to be able to work mm-hmm. and i have seen so many of my father's peers retire and quite literally die you know many have just have interest ret- yeah 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 it, 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 their brain stopped working they developed bad health and they dropped down dead a number of them within quite short periods of, of yeah of quitting work long before they needed to yeah and my grandfather so my grandfather owned an enormous chain of dry cleaners mm-hmm. one of the, one of the biggest in london um, he was still driving to work at 92 every day and going doing the rounds of the shops love it you know and meeting the customers checking in on the staff yeah. driving from north london into kensington and it kept him so alive it yeah. kept him current mm. it kept him young it kept him funny the incredible sense of humor yeah. and um, i mean you know why give that away to sit in a care home or to sit, yeah. in, a, to sit yeah. in your living room watching daytime TV you know even on a beach at some point that beach is just going to be the same beach it was last week honestly me me and my wife are polar opposites when it comes to you know really? on holiday <laughs> she can sleep and sunbathe and I have to be doing something at all times of day same, my yeah. worst idea of a holiday is sitting on a beach sunbathing and for, sleeping for 10 days and doing nothing so for having two boys that was great for me true they keep me busy on holiday yeah so i'm either digging a hole or going on a walk somewhere <laughs> playing or playing exactly yeah, 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 yeah. and that's fun for me it's interesting you mentioned health do you think that in the last 10 20 years of your own life that you've had to sacrifice your health fitness and okay so i think the first thing is i've never been a fitness guy okay. i've been blessed with never ever putting on weight okay. until i hit about thir- i'm 36 now until i hit about 32 yeah then I actually I had kids mm. and kids eat kids food and I'm a, an incredibly simple eater yeah. so if you put a plate of chicken nuggets and chips in front of me my kid's going to starve for the day I mean I've eaten Fair. all of his dinner good dad um, <laughs> so um, I think that was my big downfall um, <laughs> as, as far as putting weight on his concerns so I've never been an exercise guy okay. I used to play a bit of squash here and there um, but I'm you know I don't play football or okay. nothing like that so it's not it's not gym. like you've taken a backward step because of your business it's just you've no, always been just no i just like junk food Fair. and and it's my you know if i'm feeling a bit down or a bit you know either a bit tired or anything or you know i just need something to make me happy foods at my top of my list of things that that drive me i think it is a lot of people's list at the top of a lot of people's list yeah, yeah absolutely funny so yeah. that's interesting okay In, i i want to touch on this really quickly as well in terms of the your business and your, your lack of health and fitness as you've just mentioned <laughs> is there any sort of 
are there any i'm sure the, the answer is yes but are there days where mental health comes into play and you it, it, what is your i guess what is your opinion on mental health and does it ever affect you I'm very open about mental health. I suffered from horrendous panic attacks. Yeah. From sort of 16 to 20. Okay. Um, I, I I, went through a period or in my teens of, of smoking too much weed. Fair. Uh, and, um, Did that create an anxiety? Yeah, or? way too young and it created horrendous anxiety and I developed one panic attack out of nowhere mm. and suddenly it was all the time. Mm. I think there came a point where I didn't leave my house for, I don't know, three, four months. Wow. Um, just develop real acrophobia. I couldn't go to anyone's house for dinner. I couldn't go on a plane. I couldn't do anything. My father is incredibly experienced in that in that mm. area. He suffered from very similar stuff. Terrible acrophobia. You know, as a as a young, in his twenties, quite a bad prescription pill addiction, all kinds of stuff. So okay. really understood that mm. and helped me massively. And I was in the middle of my exact you know GCSEs, A levels. It was a terrible time for it yeah. to happen. But what it's left me with is an amazing. It, well get amazing that's the wrong word to you it's left me with a very strong understanding that people have um ups and downs yeah uh and um and struggles and i don't think men talk about them enough mm. uh and uh in hard times um people take on a lot of responsibility yeah um and you know all right someone like me i run a, a business that's turning over 13, 14 million pounds a year. We've got staff. We've got a vast amount of overheads. A lot of you feel responsible for your staff to pay their own mortgages and their, yeah. you know, and their rent and look after their own family. Yeah. And then as your parents and your grandparents are getting older, you feel responsible to chip in and help, you know, grandparents, mm. whether that's financially or just physically. Yeah. You know, with all the, you know, I tell you, you know, things that are that take their toll. When your parents are in their seventies and they don't come from a technological world, you kind of need to help them with everything. Yeah, you do. Everything. Yeah. You know, and that's the simplest task with their printer not working to, so you know, true. how to program their new phone or anything. Yeah. But when you're also trying to run a business and you've got young kids and a wife and, you know, all kinds of things, you know, you end up juggling everything. Yeah. So the kind of things that get to me mm. are, um, how do I do it all? Mm. You know, you go to sleep thinking about it, you wake up thinking about it. Yeah. Um, how do I how do I pay for this? How do I pay for that? How do I, you know, also be a good dad, spend time with my That's kids, it. not be on my phone whilst I'm playing with my kids, you know, mm. give my wife attention whilst we're out for dinner, not be on my phone, you know, ask about other people's day, all those things yeah. that that um that come into play. Um and I think when you look around you, a lot of people suffer. Yeah. And a lot of people don't talk. And I think what I try to encourage people around me to do is talk. Yeah. And I don't care if that's a family member, a friend, or someone who works for me. We all have regular meetings. We all go out for lunch together. Mm. And I try and encourage people who've got something to talk about, talk about it. Yeah. The world would be a better place if men, especially men, yeah. let out a little bit, cried occasionally, yeah. um, and actually talked about things that are going on in their life. It's cathartic. It is very cathartic. I, I, I look at your situation and it seems like you were very lucky that you had a father who was understanding and had been through it yeah. and could relate. Yeah. And without that, who knows how you could have ended up and now running a business, how, how you would be with your employees. Yeah. So it might be very, it could have been very different. Very right? different. My father is one of these people who is absolutely horrendous at solving his own problems <laughs> and is the worst, worst decision maker on a personal level I've ever met in my whole life. But if you came to him with a personal problem or any or business problem or anything, 
he will just make you feel like it's not a problem and will solve it for you mm. on the spot. I have definitely inherited a bit of that, a bit of a kind of fixer nature. Yeah, yeah. The problem with fixers mm. is you end up taking on everyone else's problems. Mm. And that's quite stressful in itself. Yeah. So you do have to be, if you're quite a competent person, you do need to be careful of falling into that. Yeah. Because people will throw their problems oh, sure. at you yeah. knowing that you can solve them. Yeah. Um, and um, you, you need to be careful of taking on other people's shit. Yeah. Um, and actually putting yourself first occasionally. So for me, that's my downfall. Yeah. I take on other people's problems and actually should, should just say no. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, I think for people who struggle to talk, you know, just talk. Do it. Yeah. Talk. You know, no one, no one judges. Yeah. Just talk in an environment you feel comfortable about. With. So I'm going to end from my side, asking you a question and maybe some advice. Mm. I'm in my mid thirties. I actually don't come from a social media world. Yeah. I deal with people, I employ people to handle social side of the business for us, Instagram, TikTok, all this kind of things that are actually, you know, not my forte. Yeah. And most of them are in their really early 20s. Mm. They don't even own a TV. Yeah. Everything they watch is on YouTube or on a computer so or on their phone. Netflix, laptop. So yeah. I can't possibly understand that at all. <laughs> yeah. How does a business like mine, who, who, which is built on quite old-fashioned traditions, safeguard itself to be current in a technological world and a digital world that is always always changing i think for your business eddie i think having a person or maybe a number of people as the face of the brand beyond what you are beyond you and, and what you've given i think having somebody like that that is younger that understands your business and can can talk. Me, for example, Eddie. Let's put me into your business. Yeah. Um. I, no, I, I joke, but it. You know what I mean. I. I feel like if you had a spokesperson, someone that can be interactive online and do YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it may be, and they're current and they can, yeah, they can talk about watches and I. I. I honestly feel like they they would massively. Because where, where, where we struggle, yeah. is that, you know, you know, creating content is time consuming. So time you know, it's not just the actual separating what you actually need to do for your day to, you know, it's, and actually taking the time off to do it. Yeah. It's the editing. It's everything that's yeah. involved with it. Yeah. Um, um, it it requires, and we are starting to realize it does require almost a full-time person just to do that. I, I, I would say get someone full-time to manage everything. Yeah. It'd be good if you could have someone who knows equipment, can film, yeah. can edit um, and can also put out the content themselves. So you can literally just be like, you manage it, I'll oversee it, but you go ahead and, and manage. And do you think that's a really long-term game? You know, you can't, you know, because certainly for us, although we do do business from social media and mm. we get messages from Instagram and all kinds of things, yeah. um, it's quite hard to... It, the watch business is difficult because the items we sell are so expensive. It's yeah. not like we're selling a, a you know t-shirts on a Shopify shop. Yeah. You know, it's not like someone clicks through an ad on Instagram, buys the t-shirt, and we know that came from Instagram. Yeah, Watches are completely different. It is something for fifty thousand pounds. They might have seen an ad on Instagram. Yeah, Googled you. Yeah, called you. Yeah, manually. You know, on a phone, and there's no way of tracking that sale. Yeah, and so I think the issue with a lot of businesses like ours is we can throw a lot of money at content and social media. Yeah, but quite a lot of it's quite hard to track. I. I would say it doesn't matter because if you if you don't adapt, it might take five, 10, 15 years. If you do what you're doing right now, you won't have a business in 10, 15 years. Yeah. So it's almost like the sooner you do it, the better. Like I know so many examples and people you know where they've created a YouTube channel yeah. 
and it's revived and saved their business. Yes, well, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Or it's it's another London-based uh, watch company. It's just massively increased their sales yeah. by and this every single watch business that takes on um, really tackles it head on. There's there's only upside. Yeah. What what is the downside? Other than maybe your your brand has like a perception shift. Uh, yeah, look, I think there's always, ne- you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you, there's always negative comments and things yeah. you have to deal with. And I suppose you've got to ignore all of that mm. um, and take the positive from it. Mm. So um, I suppose that's the only downside. Anyone ever sort of, um, you know, questioning your integrity yeah. or anything yeah. like yeah. that is yeah. always difficult to deal with. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you. I think yeah. generally there's only up from it. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I'm a good example of I only have my business and it's only been as successful as it is because of social media yeah. and I'm I think I'm probably the only example where I went from YouTube to having a watch business instead yeah. of having a watch business and going to YouTube so I'm a rare case and it's probably why I get the hate that I do because <laughs> I, I, there's probably loads of reasons right but a very hateable person but um, yeah I think it's super super important and I I as a buyer from you would love to be able to see your employees and I know for example oh, what's what's I won't say I won't say any names but there are there are things you do in your office I would I'd, I'd watch on YouTube we've tried I mean we have tried there are some employees that will be on camera and there are some who just won't it's just you know they're, just, no, I get they're it. not confident to I mean you know yeah, I suppose you've got to respect people's choices for, for not wanting to me and Sam our sales manager yeah um, have done various things you know in this kind of on the sofa environment yeah, having yeah. a chat and actually we work really well together and it does and we do actually plenty of business off the back of it yeah. but you know you don't always want to be the one on camera you want sure. to be able to diversify yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit so I think it's something that we are you know we, we are not not on social we are yeah, 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 you know, yeah we yeah. just it just does need developing over I feel like I feel like you could employ employ someone full-time someone fresh out of uni or maybe just early mid 20s or yeah. whatever and it's not going to cost a lot of money per month is it no and if you if you make one sale through him I, her i view all expenses in this business as how many watches do you have to sell to cover that expense yeah, 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 i, yeah, I yeah. always do it's, but one or one and a half or two watches to cover their expense right and everything else is profit everything else is profit yeah and just imagine if you started really investing in it today imagine what it will be like in five years and it'll just it'll help with with scaling the business totally and, and you you knew you knew this already um yeah, no I'm, but it's I'm always not... good to hear from someone you know a, a you're not unlikable at all you're, i think <laughs> i per- i wouldn't be sitting here if that was the case yeah. i think you're very likable and very easy to talk to mm. and you're also very knowledgeable in this field and younger than me um <laughs> so uh you know yeah. that's why i asked the question no no i appreciate you asking but um uh, and we, you know, we know people in common like Iman Gatsi, who, you know, is a prime example. Do you know of, Iman? Yeah, very well. Oh, yeah? Very well. Oh, actually, yeah, he did oh, mention you guys. So we've, we've done lots of business yeah, with Iman Yeah, he did mention you, actually. I think he, he probably bought his first watch from us when he was like 18 or something. Mad. Um, and you, you know, What's your opinion of Iman? I don't, you know, the funny thing is I've actually not followed Iman massively okay. because it's not really my world. Sure, sure, I sure. know him as a client of mine. Yeah. Um, and yet the amount of things he taught me in a very short space of time mm. um, uh, and things he helped to tweak in our business, you know, just as a favor here and there was quite amazing. Yeah. You know, just from, uh, you know, you know, from, from a social side of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's an amazing example. I mean, Let's go back to the university question. That is an amazing example yeah, exactly. of someone who had an amazing talent 
was well educated enough to be able to talk to absolutely anyone <laughs> on any level um, and has made an absolute fortune out yeah. of it. Yeah. Clever, took risks, yep. employed good people. Yeah. And seems to really enjoy his life, and is very, as you know, very open about struggles in life. Mm. Um, and, he's he's, 20, uh, he's twenty-two years old, yeah, and he's done what more than what people would dream of in a lifetime. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, he loves watches. It's really interesting. He, he, he was, yeah, he, he probably bought one of his first watches from you, then. Yeah. He, well, certainly the bigger ones. Yeah, bigger. I've sold yeah. him a number of Pateks. You know, he has relationships with Patek. Yeah, he doesn't need me anymore. He doesn't need you anymore. I think he's, I think he's got six or seven Pateks. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not fair. No, it's not. It's, it's really not fair. But yeah, no, he's a, he's a, he's a really good guy, and he's yeah, he's a, he's a really good role model for a lot of young people actually. And that's, I think, the ones who are questioning whether they have to go to university and waste those few years should look at people like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, you know, he's, you know, there are, there are many, many who have tried to be him and be like him and start similar businesses and have failed, but also plenty that are earning very, very good living starting yeah. their own media agencies or doing whatever they're doing yeah, something yeah. similar so yeah. it can be done and i think um you know people should explore mm. other avenues interesting i forgot that i was I, I meant to when i when i spoke to e-man months ago i meant to bring that up with you but i forgot so thank you for bringing that up but um yeah this has been has been really really fun thank you so much for maybe sharing too much i don't know you seem like an open guy so i appreciate the well, I mean, what's the point in doing it if you're not going to be honest about it? You know, yeah. It's, um... yeah. A lot of people wouldn't say what you've said today. A lot of people wouldn't open up as much, especially with a business. And I think it's important. You know, I think, and I can only hope that you know people watch this and they see that you know we are exactly what we profess to be, which is is, is pretty honest and open and blunt about you know business life. You know, you know ups and downs. Yeah. You know, mentally everything, yeah. um, past lives. Mm-hmm. You know, things we've done before, things we've learned. Um, you know, and the, the realities of business, and it is what it is, and that's what we're here to talk about. I always learn when I speak to you, and uh, thank you very much. I, uh, really I, nice mean, I mean, I mean that. Um, I've, I've got a friend who has bought a watch from you before, maybe two, or sold one, bought one, and he always looks at you, and he always says to me, "Oh, Eddie's such, he's such a great speaker. Like he sounds." He, he said to me once, he was like, "I could listen to his voice to fall asleep," and I was like, "That's that's a good thing. I'm sure he'd appreciate that." I don't feel that when I listen to my own voice. No. No. Why? I can't breathe. I've, I've never been able to breathe through my nose. So to me, it just no. sounds nasally and blocked. It's very good. You, I'd listen to your voice. <laughs> there tell, you go. Tell me what am story. I going to do next? Yeah, yeah, Bed, yeah, yeah. Children's bedtime stories. That's Perfect. it. Audiobooks. Good. So there you go. It. I've got a fallback if it all goes wrong. <laughs> and on that note, thanks for watching, listening, whatever you've done. Um, go check out Bloom Bar, like I said. You will not be disappointed. And until next time, uh, I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Amazing. Smashed it.